Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, hey, Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again to come out of those closets of our life. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and I know some of you are going to really get this, and others of you are going to go, hmm, I'm not sure that's ever happened to me, but sometimes it's our own mindset that gets us trapped in our closets. And then we get into those closets where somewhere in our work life or our career or in life in general, but I see this so often in careers and what we do for our work. And suddenly we're just like, I'm showing up for the paycheck. I come do what I do. I check out, I get that done. I do what they ask me to do and da, 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 da. Now the other side of that fence can be, they expect you to show up. You just come do your work and you just get your paycheck. But sometimes it's about realizing there's more to this and all I've got to do is shift my mindset. All I've got to contribute in the organization is starting to help shift their mindsets and start looking through things in a different lens, even if looking at something that we've all seen numerous times every time we go to go pee somewhere, we see something completely different than we ever thought possible. Now, I'm sure you're wondering where we're going with this conversation today, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have no freaking clue. All I know is I got to speak with Tanya Cantan on the World Domination Summit stage not long ago. She kicked booty. She had me rolling in the aisles, literally. I was like sitting back in the back stage area at times, and then I was out in the audience, and I'm like, I am laughing so hard, I think I'm going to roll down the stage. But what I love about what she brings to her genuine self to the world is that she just shows up and she does what she's meant to do and she kind of trespasses all over the place to make things happen so without further ado i want to bring in my new friend tanya to the life uncloseted podcast so welcome girl glad you're here thanks for having me rick a hey. pleasure Yes, yes, yes. And we did have a lot of fun there in Portland for that little short time we were there, dinners and laughing and all that good sort of stuff. But then you got on stage and the story began to unfold. And um, I want to just start with the whole creative trespassing thing, because that's kind of what you are now known for. And this name alone just conjures up so much in minds. I'm curious, when you say that, what are some of the reactions that people start to give you? Before we give everybody the, the story, what is a typical reaction somebody has when they're like, oh, yeah, I'm Tanya Katana and I, I have this little thing called creative trespassing? It's, it induces intrigue immediately. And, that, and that's kind of at what, you know, at some point in my life slash career, people kept asking me, so what do you do? Because right. I would work in all these different industries, like in technology and in arts and culture and in uh, bagging groceries and all kinds of stuff. And yet I brought the same things with me everywhere I went. You know, mm -hmm. I brought um, a sense of wanting to connect to an audience, to clients, yep. um, a, a desire to inspire, 
to bring human and lighten up, bring, sorry, humor and lighten up situations yep, yep. and, um, and find ways to, to connect and further a collective mission. So about, I think five or six years ago, I started to think, well, what is it that I do that transcends mm-hmm. a rigid title that could be on a business card? Yep. And, and I thought, you know, I really, everything that I just said could be kind of couched in the word creativity, right? Yep. I'm creative, yep. good umbrella. And then what do I do with that creativity? Well, I kind of sneak it into places where creativity is not overtly the mission or vision of the company or space. Right. And then once I'm in there, um, people find out that actually this creativity brings layers that they didn't know were missing and now can't live without. And so to me, I started looking up words for what that means to bring, to sneak stuff in. Mm -hmm. And it's like smuggling and trafficking. And I'm like, well, I don't really do those things, but I do trespass. And Uh so I put the two words together, creative trespassing. And I'm like, this is intriguing. And I kind of beta tested it out on people. People. And eventually, as you know, I wrote a book called Creative Trespassing, and the publishers were flipping over the title. Wow! I really loved it because it said it said two words that we knew, but when yeah. put together, it proposed um, some new meaning. So that's so interesting. I love it. You know, if you um, oh, it's probably been almost almost a year ago now. My husband and I were out drinking wine. Surprise, surprise, because that seems to be what we do really well at. And I had been kind of screwing around with, okay, I have this business. I'm a coach. I speak. I wrote a book. I'm writing a second book. All this stuff is good. I have the, this podcast. I didn't have the new podcast yet, but you know, I had lots of different things happening. But one of the things that drove me nuts is I go to conferences and the typical, let's just re let's put that in a different wrapper. I go to association type conferences or business conferences. And of course, when you register, it's like, what's your name and what's your company? I'm like, oh, for God's sake, I don't really... I don't have a company. I'm just Rick and I do these things, right? So I got really sick and tired of this whole company thing showing up. And here my husband and I are at this wine bar having wine. And it's kind of a unique one because it's a wine store and a wine bar. I'm sitting at the bar and I look up and I see this bottle of wine called Left Detour. And I thought, that's an interesting name for a wine. And I was in the midst of like, I'm so sick of this company name thing showing up. And I thought, wait what is it that I do with people? I really help people through these detours of life. And when they come to these detours, it's like they see this as like some huge thing that they're never going to get past this detour, whether it's leaving a job they really hate or, and they've got that one foot in huge success, but they really want to go do this or they're coming out of the closet or they're going to leave a relationship that doesn't work, whatever it might be. And in that lovely little wine induced state, I thought, huh, I help people create the perfect detour. And that became my company name because it really kind of encapsulated the same thing that you said, that creative trespassing is just, it's so intriguing to me. And when I say, Hey, yeah, my company name is perfect detour. People are like, and what is it that you do, (laughs) you know? And then it's a really nice launching place to like, Hey, this is kind of what I help people do is create the perfect detour out of the nasty little detours of life. So, um, and clearly now you have now you have a wine sponsor, which is Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, this is why I needed you on the show to go, hey, that's a wine sponsor right there. So uh, but let's kind of roll back. Brought to you by- exactly. <laughs> brought to you by and oh what what's the name of the wine company? Um oh it's called Wine Sneak. Actually, it's a really interesting little place. It's got 
um, all these wines and you can walk in there and if you want to try a wine, they'll open any bottle. They don't care. Well, yeah, they pretty much don't care. But if they open the bottle, you have to at least pay whatever the glass, you know, the glass price is to have that taste. So you, you basically buy a glass of wine on any bottle. But what's cool about it and the reason they call it wine sneak is you can come in there any day of the week and because all these different bottles could be open, you could be trying any number of wines in there that you may have never tried before because they keep, you know, whatever they open, they keep it open as long as they can. And then, you know, eventually they have to like either send it home with somebody or whatever. Kind of a cool little space. So I don't know how I got so far off on that. But um, so let's go be before the trespassing thing. There was something obviously that I know from watching your story and everything. You kind of started feeling this trespassing thing, even in your own personal work when you were working in the art world and all this sort of stuff. You felt like you were pushing that envelope. And has this always been something that you felt like you've done, Tanya? Well, yeah. And since this is <laughs> this, uh, your podcast listeners, hello, everyone, uh -huh. are expecting uh, a coming out story, I'll give you my coming out story. Yeah. Uh, so when I was, I think, 14 years old, I think maybe, or 15 years old, I applied for my first job at a place in Arizona called Snow Oasis, which was neither in snow nor an oasis. <laughs> it was a shack in uh -huh. the middle of a, um, an asphalt parking lot that sold shaved flavored ice. And uh, I applied for a job because it was right down the street from me. And I loved eating the ice. So I assumed I would love selling it selling just it. as much. <laughs> and so I went in for my interview and in is a misnomer. I sat outside <laughs> of the shack on a uh, picnic bench with the boss, Alan. And Alan uh, was interviewing me for the first time. It was my first professional interview. Right. And so he was asking really hard, compelling questions like, you know, what, what, what do you, you know, why do you want to work at Snow Oasis? And mm -hmm. I'm like, Alan, I love the product. And he's like, what do you think you can bring to Snow Oasis? And I'm like, a sense of wonder. <laughs> That's what I can bring. And, you know, and he go and he went on and he was, it was like he was sort of building up to the most difficult question. So he's like, right. how do you feel fit snow oasis into your studies at school? And I'm like, I don't study. So there, <laughs> you know, and, um, and then finally, you know, you know, he's like, well, would you be willing to, to make a one year commitment? And I'm like, totally. And the last question he asked which was like the biggest question I could tell because he sort of paused for a second and looked me straight in the eye. And he's like, Tanya, where do you see yourself five years from now? Mm. And I'm like, without missing a beat, I said, on Saturday Night Live, sir. <laughs> and he was, he, his face went, you know, sort of flat and he said, Oh, and I only realized in retrospect that that was clearly the wrong answer. You know, he wanted to hear from me like five years from now, sir. Uh, I know what I, I see myself coming up with innovative snow flavors. Like right. no way you, you can resist this strawberry right. or whatever. <laughs> right. and, and that was really my first encounter with coming out as a creative <clears throat> person at 15 <clears throat> years old and getting feedback from my potential employer that it was not okay 
to be creative in the, in the snow industry. But I mean, you know, that this was the kind of uh, artifice, yeah. uh, the system that, that we, I would find myself in time and time again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I worked at Snow for a day, ate a lot of the product, yep. didn't find selling it as compelling, and <laughs> left the next day. But isn't um, it interesting to that point of people – and because I come from branding and marketing myself, so I, I totally get what you just said. It's like, we want you to be creative. We want you to do these creative things. And then there's this eminent butt that hangs in the air. But <laughs> we want you to do it in this container and we want you to do it this way. It's so fascinating to me that this happens in agencies around the world for some of the biggest clients for some of the biggest museums, like we want to create this creative, da, 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 da. Oh, but we need to do it this way. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was one of the most compelling things that I learned kind of bringing my creativity. So first of all, as like a little kid, I even knew that there was no way I could hide my, my inner creative wild right. child. There was just yep. no way. Even when I tried to, I couldn't. So I brought it with me everywhere I went, regardless of how rigid um, the the practices or procedures of places where I worked were, but what I realized in that and in your you know in your observation, Rick, is that it kind of it doesn't matter you know if we work in a in a place or a field that's uniquely creative, we can still be uniquely creative within the work that we do. And so you know, as you noted, I mean, I've worked at a I worked at a contemporary art museum. I worked in mm-hmm. technology. And um, I've worked in fields that are foundationally pretty creative and yet, you know, sometimes found the practices and procedures pretty rigid. Um, Mm -hmm. And my job has always been, and what I've been most successful in doing is breaking the rules, Mm. you know, and and showing that there are other ways for being and doing your job. And by breaking the rules, you know, people get all rigid, like, I can't break the rules in my job. I work in the most conservative, you know, like I, I traded in my life for golden handcuffs and a key fob and a 401k right. and all that stuff. Um, but great rules are just really procedures for, um, for taking action. Yep. That's it. So mm-hmm. if the, those aren't working, um, if they're not helping you or the, the company move forward, then they have to be broken in order to create new ones. And that's what actually, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people might be listening, might think, you know, I'm not creative, but being creative is really just seeing systems or patterns um, that are working okay yep. and being able to disrupt or reimagine them. That's where creativity comes in. So you have to see rigidity in order to, you know, create a, a space and a, and a pattern that is inviting to everyone that disrupts this idea of rigidity. So, it, you know, it's interesting because until you, so I'm going to do a little confession here until you kind of, said that on stage at WDS, it didn't get me thinking about this. And then when I thought, you know, I'd really like to have you on the podcast. And we talked about it at that dinner that night. But then now that you've said it again, this entire podcast was born out of stepping outside of what the expectation is. It used to be called the coming out lounge. And as my business grew and the coming out coach and doing that and, you know, the, the stuff I still do, as it started to move along, I'm like, but there's something bigger here. It's not just this LGBTQ coming out experience thing. 
And then as I started pushing the envelope and saying, but everybody's got closets and everybody's got something they need to come out of and everybody's got a coming out story, I started feeling the resistance. Oh, you can't do that. That No, that's a that's a LGBT, well, at the time, it, that's a gay thing. You know, it's a gay thing. I'm like, well, no, it's not a gay thing. It's like, there's lots of things that, you know, suddenly somebody comes home and goes, okay, I need to confess I've had an affair. They just came out of the closet. They They had an affair, right? And then when I made the decision a year and a half ago that yeah, I'm going to go bigger with this, I don't just want to be doing the coming out stories that we expect. I want to do the coming out stories that people don't expect. And this, what you and I are talking about today is a perfect example of the rules are just there to help us move things along and take action. But they're also there to like, let's divert and let's show something differently. So um, yeah, I mean, and look, it, you know, it, here's the deal. If something, you know, the phrase, and now that's cliche, tried and true. Yep. So if you already know, if if you've already tried it, and you know it works, why not try something else? I mean, right. this is, and, you know, and this is the litmus for me that um, I'm doing my job well, and this might be a good tool for uh, for uh, those who are listening who are thinking, well, I want to challenge the rules of my job, but I don't know how comfortable I feel. You know, if you receive a little bit of pushback, <laughs> that's how you know you're on the right page. <laughs> and, and you know, for, for good, bad, or worse, the more that we kind of challenge norms or patterns, um, the more we receive pushback. People don't like change. Change is hard, all that kind of stuff. And yet, I'll, I can tell you, because my job now is going into companies and conferences and challenging <laughs> and challenging them. Like, you know, Expedia brings me in, Etsy, um, right. Google, Amazon, all of them want me to push back. They, they're bringing in people like myself to speak and consult and say, hey, you're doing that well, and what about this? And then they're like, ah, that feels uncomfortable. Okay, mm. thank you. So any company or person that is interested in innovation or moving things forward are open to and actually seek out challenging um, situations where change is guaranteed. So, yeah. yeah. And I know that part of where this came from for you was you had a moment in time in your own health where you decided to do a little pushback and really trespass on an expectation and it all revolved around running running a little running thing you did and suddenly you broke the rules by you know what i'm just gonna show them who i really really am yeah, so uh, what what you're talking about, Rick, what you got a chance to see in real life is, um, you know, I, when I was 21 years old, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I had a mastectomy, chemotherapy, the end, or so I thought. Right. Ten years later, uh, 31, when I was celebrating being cancer-free, I was diagnosed with another primary breast cancer. Um, again, we did the tried and true mastectomy chemotherapy, done. But at that time, I was really questioning my mortality because, you know, you don't get mm -hmm. cancer twice and live, do you? I mean, that sounded like right, a lifetime. Exactly. Yeah, it was like a Lifetime original movie starring Judith Light, and I did not want to be playing the character of Judith Light. Right. And so I thought, how can I kind of reclaim my body that felt, you know, unusual and scarred and very sick? Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to start running. 
that's a way for me to feel connected to this body that was in process of healing. And at first it was really hard and I kind of trained to do a 10 K and I showed up and I ran, which was, you know, very, a very optimistic way of saying I leaned forward and hope and hope for the best. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I finished my first 10 K and then I thought, you know, there are all these races for the cure. You know, races mm-hmm. specifically for raising money and awareness around breast cancer. And yep. I would like to run at one of these races for my people. And I thought, you know, it would be really nice for me to see what it looked like um, to have scars before I went through my mastectomy. You know, it was really scary. And I, I thought, God, what, what, what will my body look like after I have my breasts removed? And what if I took off my shirt during the, one of these races for the cure and showed other people that it's not weird to have scars. In fact, I was just a healthy body in a different form. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I would run a race without my top on and both of my scars exposed. And, um, you know, the, the, the first race that I did, I remember showing up and there's like thousands of people, anybody who's listening, who's a runner, you know, you show up and there's thousands of people. And, um, it's, and I got scared and I started thinking like, Oh my gosh, what if people see my scars and they freak out? Um, what if they see my scars and avoid eye contact with me? What if basically taking off my shirt instead of showing people that I'm a healthy body in a different form and don't be scared if you're going to go through this, if it caused the opposite effect and people were freaked out. Mm. And um, so I was about to take off my shirt. You know, the announcer's like, okay, we're, you know, runners, get ready. And um, there was a woman really close to me and she was standing, obviously supporting someone she knew. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to tell her that I'm going to take off my shirt. And maybe this isn't the spectacle <laughs> that she, she signed up for when she came to watch the race. And I said, in a few seconds, I'm going to be taking off my shirt, exo- exposing two mastectomy scars. And I didn't want you to freak out. And this woman was like, she paused for a second and she said, can I hug you? And I'm like, "Mm, yes, of course. Mm. Um, And so that moment really laid the foundation for a lot of the work that I do around being a different body in a sea of same bodies or presumably same bodies. Uh, You know, I mean, I uh, many times am the only woman speaking uh, at a summit where it's all men in technology and it's me and I might be, and I'm definitely the only lesbian, although I've asked the sea of men if they're lesbians, they just laugh. (laughs) Um, But you know, I I think it's important to show up um, with all of your flaws, your scars and, and quirks, knowing that those are, are the places and spaces where the best art live, where the best ideas and innovations and, um, all of that live in those places. So that's my lot in life is to show up with my scars, flaws, and awkwardness and encourage other people and show them how to embrace theirs as well. That's awesome. And as you were yeah. talking through that, one of the things that I purposely brought this up for those that are listening was because I wanted to show how what she's talking about really did contribute to where she now goes, but also a couple of key moments that she, I mean, all of it was good, but there were a couple of key phrases that came up for me where you can take this into the workplace. One of them being, how do I reclaim my body? Well, how do you reclaim your creativity? How do you reclaim your innovation? How do you reclaim your collaboration? How do you reclaim your own dignity 
in a workplace where you may not feel like you're being given that. This is something that I think all of us should strive towards is when we get to that place where we're like, I'm just collecting the paycheck, I'm just coming to do the job, yeah. you need to reclaim your own worth. And a lot yeah, of times your own worth is around that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a great way of, of saying it, Rick. You know, the idea of especially, you know, around uh, reclaiming your, your dignity, which I, is uh, connected deeply to creativity. For You know, to me, creativity is synonymous with, with being free, mm -hmm. being free of thought and pursuit. And so actually one exercise that I give in uh, Creative Trespassing but that I'd be happy to share with listeners right now that you're reminding me of is this uh, exercise called the I rock files. Mm. And the idea is this, because a lot of times when we feel stuck, like we can't express ourselves and we don't have agency in our jobs, you know, we, we think, oh, you know, our, my colleagues suck or I never get, um, I, I get, never get praise from my boss or I never get employee of the month. And uh, the IROC files is a way to, to, to take that into your own hands. Yep. And your job is to gather all information that points to you doing an awesome job. In, in, in the world. And a lot of times that doesn't come from our colleagues. That's wow. fine. Go and grab the letters from customers, yep. from, you know, from friends, uh, cut out all the articles that you've been in or the review that said, you know what, you exceeded your Q1 goals. Good on you. Yep. Gather it all, put it in a hard file, put it in a file on your computer. And whenever you're feeling like I don't have agency, I'm not good enough open up that file, read all the goodies, and then yep. get back to work. You know, so, I, and, and that comes actually, that exercise was spurred on because I was working for an organization where I didn't feel valued by my mm -hmm. colleagues um, mm -hmm. and nor my boss. However, I, my job was to serve the community at large. Mm -hmm. And I would get letters from community members and emails, and I started saving all of those. And when I felt like my colleagues weren't hearing me or they were pushing up or against some of my ideas, I went to my file and I'm like, oh, I am serving the people I need to serve and Absolutely. they are receiving and they are happy about that, so. And I think a lot of people miss some things and, and <laughs> I have been in corporate America, up and down the ladders, different places, been laid off, been hired, got you know, all over the place. And one of the things that I tried to instill in my team when I was um, in the branding marketing of a big software company, I was like really high up. And I tried to instill in my team, never forget your contributions, even if I forget to tell you that. And even if the president of the company doesn't come and say, marketing, branding, you're doing a great job. What you need to remember are those articles that hit in the hotel software magazines where it talks about this team, you know, this company being the most innovative hotel software company. And they've attained this many customers because guess what? Our team made that happen. So we may not get that direct nice boy, nice girl, nice puppy stroke, but sometimes we got to see that bigger picture and add that to the, hey, Tanya was a really good gal. She made us laugh. She made us understand something. And Rick, wow, he made this happen. Sometimes you got to look for those bigger things mm -hmm. and go, that's part of why I'm here too. Yeah. The other thing you said that I thought was really an interesting 
truth and then an interesting metaphor for the work environment or anything. I mean, heck, I'm a solo entrepreneur and sometimes I got to go, okay, I love you, Rick. You're doing a great job, man. You know, you got you're just doing good stuff. But is to realize that healthy body is a different form. I think that healthy creativity is a different form of doing what we expect creativity to do. A healthy perception of collaboration, all that stuff. When you realize if you're stepping out, as you say, Tanya, and doing that little bit of trespassing or maybe a big bit of trespassing, you're still doing it. You're still doing creativity. You're still doing collaboration. You're still doing innovation. You're just doing it in a slightly different form. And then suddenly people are like, oh, wait, this isn't what we're supposed to do. But then suddenly they see an emblem on a doorway and something shows up that people hadn't ever really seen before, which really became one of the most interesting things you've got to do. And what was that emblem that suddenly somebody thought, huh? Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, Rick. Um, you're making all kinds of wild connections. <laughs> I think that's what I do pretty dang good as a host yeah. here. I love uh -huh. doing this stuff. I think I do it pretty well. I find, yeah. here we go. Here's the segue. I know, I know. I'm like, where is he going? I was like, I was going along. Yeah. And then yeah. we ended up. Um, so what would you like to know about the emblem, sir? Let's well, start I think it's very poignant in this day and age where we're now having the battles over mm. gender nonconforming mm. restrooms and everything to kind of take a look at all of us know what the little emblems look like on most public restrooms. There's the guy with the, you know, little circular pointy legs <laughs> and a round head and those round arms. It kind of just, I don't know, it kind of looks like he's just some puppet. And then there's the triangle woman with the head, so to speak. Okay. But gotcha. it's not just, okay, know, they're just I'm, not what they are. There's something else that suddenly- you, I'm picking up what you're putting down, sir. Yeah, uh, there's something that got put down when suddenly one day our creative guest here yes, said, yes, hmm, yes. Gotcha. it's not just this. Yes, you're so, well, I, lo I love it. I love I love the lead. I'll take it. Um, so also what, what, I'm, what I'm connecting to about it, so- what Rick's talking about is this marketing campaign that I helped to co-create uh, in 2015, which I'll tell you about in a second. But the point of it is, um, so I was working at the time at a software company and I was embedded in the marketing department and I was about two months into my job and I didn't know anything. I didn't know shazit about software at all. In fact, seriously, I started my first week there and I'm like, okay, what's this cool software? You know, and they're like, oh, it's a project management software for software developers. It's B2B, you know, SaaS. And I'm like, I do not know what you just said. Like, unless SaaS is uh, the way in which my little sister is, right? Sometimes, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Um, and so, two months in, my boss asked my colleague and I to um, come up with an idea to um, address the fact that there weren't a lot of women in the tech space, mm. and um, that we were going to we were going to sponsor a big women in technology conference. And if we could come up with an idea, then I could give a talk about it as the company's new evangelist, and we could set up a little card table at the conference, and you know we could have we could do something cool. Yep. And um, and so this is the part where personal agency comes in. You know, I literally didn't understand the software quite conceptually at that moment in time. I was still learning. I was still onboarding 
as the kids say. Yep. And um, But I did know about storytelling and I did know how to connect with people, all the stuff I learned in theater school. And so I thought about symbols that um, were easily recognizable uh, to, to people, women, men, you know, non-gender binary yep, people yep. Um, and across cultures and all of that, um, uh, that represented women. And so I did literally just drew a bunch of different symbols. You know, I went for a walk. I had my little notepad with me. I drew the women's symbol with the circle and the mm-hmm. like cross. And, uh, and then I thought of the bathroom lady symbol, as you mentioned, a triangle dress and a round head and some arms and legs and et cetera. And then I brought the symbols back to my colleague, Sarah, and I said, well, you know, I think the bathroom lady's kind of interesting. And she's like, great, you know, and that was it. <laughs> I mean, we really didn't have anything. And then I kept looking at the symbol and I saw her triangle dress and I thought, yes, it's a dress, but uh, that shape, that triangle represents other things too. And then somehow in my brain, I got uh, this idea that maybe she was wearing a cape. And I kind of thought I was crazy. And I think Sarah thought I was crazy, which was awesome. You know, we both thought I was crazy and it could have ended there, but I couldn't shake this idea. And so I printed out the women's bathroom vector and I drew a few lines and I realized, oh my gosh, she is wearing a cape. Holy guacamole. And if I could see it, then maybe other people could see it. So I showed her to Sarah and Sarah's like, it was never addressed. And I'm like, and so this campaign was born uh, out of a moment where, you know, I could have easily said, Rick, you know what? I'm in the marketing department. I'm new. I don't know about the technology. I don't want to step on toes or break rules. I will just say, we should have cotton candy at our booth. Yay, Yay. that'll be good. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did break the rules and I thought, you know what, what if, and we pitched this idea to the boss and the boss thought it was great. And then um, uh, we got a lot of pushback internally. A lot of people were like, why are we investing any time or energy in this weird non-campaign campaign when we are selling software? We need to sell. and, And then a lot of people were like, this is the best idea ever. And so that push and pull was an indication also that we were on the right track. Yep. And, um, and so we launched the campaign at the Girls in Tech Catalyst Conference in 2015. And uh, we made little stickers of the Caped Hero. Yep. And I gave a talk about gender equity and then it went viral, as the kids say. Exactly. Uh, somebody took an image uh, photo of the, the sticker and wrote, cannot unsee and, and put it on Twitter and, uh, and the rest is history. And I think it brings us full circle to where we started because one of the first things you said when we started chatting as we do, you <laughs> said breaking the rules shows you there are other ways and you showed there was another way to see that image. There was another way to perceive that image. And I hope that what people are taking away from this conversation today is you have the right and the power and the choice to break the rules your way and to see things in other ways. And I know for both of us as people in the LGBTQ community, we do that on a daily basis. We don't make it, neither one of us. I mean, I guess I do more than you, but I'm to the place in my life where I don't make that part of my daily conversation. But it informs me and it informs me not only in my own life, but it informs me, as I already kind of indicated in this interview, 
how it informed me to expand from the Coming Out Lounge to the Life Uncloseted brand, because it informs me to go further. It informs me to break that rule. It informs me to go, what else can I see if I take away this perception? Yeah. And I think that's why, well, first I loved you the minute I started talking to you and everything when we were at World Domination Summit. But one of the things that touched me the most was your ability to help other people become comfortable with trespassing in life. That's what it's all about. And it doesn't mean you have to go do it and be an ass or a bitch or a jerk or a dick or anything about it. It's what if we do this? Let's make it a game. Let's see what we can do. Because I think all of us as little kids, at least I know I was, I was a precocious little booger. I love to see how far I could push the envelope just to see what could happen. And the more I was able to dive into that, and when I get in my worst places in my life, when things are like, God, this sucks trying to get another speaking gig or another client or whatever, I go back to the little boy who's like, but what if we played and what if we pushed the envelope? What if instead of just sending an email to somebody saying, would you hire me as a speaker? You ask a question that has nothing to do with that and see if you get the response. Mm -hmm. And so as we wrap it up here, Tanya, I just want to have you give one last whatever comes to mind why somebody should give themselves permission to go break the rules. What's your big piece of advice there? <laughs> and I know we could go like, okay, no, God, he just dropped I, the bomb like on her. This monologue, I don't, I mean, what, seriously? You want me to leave the last, oh my God, holy shit, man. I, 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 well, I okay, like, just think of like this, this, right this is your Saturday Night Live moment here. You're gonna deliver. I feel like I'm, a, like I'm tripping. So, um, look, here's the deal. You know, uh, first of all, I wanna respond to your monologue and not necessarily give it, give the, the, the one, um, the elevator pitch at the end because like what you're saying is, is really interesting. You know, part of being in the LGBTQIA community mm -hmm. means that, you know, in, in many ways, I've been an outsider, whether it's because I'm a part of that community or um, I grew up really poor or I wore eyeglasses. There are many ways in which I felt like I was an outsider growing up. And it wasn't until I was an adult and in the working world that I realized the extreme advantage to being able to observe situations, people, and dynamics from the outside, that that has immense value on the inside, you know? And so I think that if people are breaking the rules and giving themselves permission to serve communities, organizations, their purpose in the world, then they owe it to the world to approach that in a creative way. And one of the, you know, one of the many exercises that I give in, in the book, Creative Trespassing, it has to do with the, it was never addressed, you know, the idea of shifting perceptions of everyday symbols and objects and situations we see, which is, you know, take a symbol that you walk past every single day mm -hmm. and turn it upside down. Mm -hmm. Turn it inside out, spin it around, see it in a new way. And when you do, come up with a campaign, come up with a new way of doing things in the world. And so that's how I've approached everything as an outsider on the inside. So, you know, what? give yourself permission. Guess what? There are no permission cops. You are not going to get busted if you give yourself permission to enliven yourself and others. 
There's my elevator pitch. Creative trespass on that, Rick. Exactly. And she hit the nail on the head. And I just, I'm so glad that the, you know, the universal fairies out there, whatever you want to call them, the gods, whatever, brought us together so we could get to know each other for that brief time in Portland. And that we now have this time because I believe what we do owe to the world is to bring ourselves fully to whatever it is we're called to do. And if that means we're meant to break the rules, then we break the rules. If it means we're to play by the rules, then we play by the rules. But I hope people bring fully themselves because when you're fully being yourself, it is really, really super easy to live your life uncloseted. And before we wrap up, I'm going to say this, and Tanya has no idea that I'm going to do this, but I love her book. I got her book. I've already read it. And so as I'm known to do, Anybody who would like a copy of her book, I'm going to give away two copies of the books Aww. to whoever sends me an email to rick at rickclemens.com from this podcast. I will get your name, your email address, all that good stuff, and you will get a nice little package from Amazon Prime for listening and saying, I want to read this book because you need to read the book. It's amazing whether you're doing this for work or whatever, just learning how to be a creative trespasser and letting what happens on the outside, move into your inside so you can be more yourself is well worth it. So um, thank you. That's generous. Thank you, well, Rick. That's I love awesome. doing this stuff. So, thank you. And thank you for being here and being such a great guest and putting a smile on my face once again. And uh, I so appreciate you. A pleasure. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted, and never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.